If you turn with me again, just briefly, please, to Genesis chapter 17. Briefly to Genesis 17. Remember last week we entitled this Must Needs, It's a Binding Cause. Must Needs, It's a Binding Cause. Let's read just a a verse, just one verse, verse 13. And we'll do that just for time's sake. We'll look at many other things this morning. Genesis 17, verse 13 says, He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man, child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Let's pray. Father, settle our hearts and take every distraction away from us every opposing spirit, every thought, Lord, bring it captive to the Word of God and glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy, for in his name we ask it. Amen. The word must expresses necessity, speaks of a certain day speaks of something binding, like a clause. And the Lord said unto Abram, who became Abraham, putting a, a promise into him, a covenant with him he makes, saying he'll make him a father of many nations. Now, Abram had, when he was 90, the Lord came, now he's 99. And he's made him that error of having Ishmael with Hagar. But when, the, when this first came to Abram and his first calling came, we find that he had no child. He was too old, his wife. Her, uh, she was barren. And so we find that the Lord says, if you put your trust in what I say, if you put your trust in my word and leave it with me, that faith will bring it to pass. So we looked at this last week at how it was faith, the faith of Abraham was shown by the works of Abraham. That's why James tells us in James chapter 2, of faith without works is dead. We aren't saved by works whatsoever. We're saved by grace through faith, but our faith is made known by the fruit of our lives and the works of our lives. So we show forth the strength of our faith and faith working in us and outworking in us through our lives. Notice here, the Lord says, must needs be circumcised. In other words, the circumcision of the flesh was a cutting of the flesh and a casting away of the flesh and living in the spirit of faith. So Abraham's faith came before his works. We'll look at it in a moment. His faith came before his works. And of course, especially in the New Covenant, the New Testament, that's what we are as New Testament believers. Our faith comes before our works. Not our works and then our faith. Faith and then our works. 
So we looked last week at how the book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us of Abraham died in faith, not having received the promise. Abraham heard of the new, this covenant with, uh, of many nations. He had heard of what God was going to do. He had received the promise, but he died and it hadn't happened. The very, uh, the little acorn of it, the little kernel wheat grain of it had happened by the implanting of the word, the implanting of the promise. For example, whenever you plant a seed, much more comes out of it, but you don't see it until it grows and bears the fruit. And Abraham died in faith. In other words, he believed God for bigger things in the future. That even death itself would not hinder the plan and purpose of God in Abraham's life and in his seed after him. Sometimes we fall at every hurdle or at many hurdles because we see with our eye, not with our faith and our vision of our faith. We see with our 2020 vision and we don't see with the eye of the Spirit. We don't see what's passed this morning. We don't see what's passed today. We don't see what's passed this week. All we can see is here, now, the very present. In fact, many people can't see past themselves. And sometimes our biggest enemy is ourselves. Seeing past us who we are and seeing who God is in spite of us loving us, in spite of us, his word is in us, In spite of us, his promise will come to pass. And faith is believing in what he says he will perform. One old Puritan says that Christ's performances outstrip his promises. Christ's performances outstrip his promises. In other words, that which you and I think in his promises that have been given to us, that which you and I think which are promises within us and he's given us that we think will happen, for example, in the book of Revelation, we're told of Golden Street and Pearly Gates and all, this sort of, all these sort of things and, and the wonders and the Crystal River. And that's fantastic. That's to encourage us. But that's only an earthly element given in the Spirit that for you and I to be able to try and comprehend the glory of God that is to come. For I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So what you think is great and what you think heaven and the kingdom of God will be like, what you think the glory of it will be like and what you and I will be living in and all who are in Christ, what you think it is, it's even way better than that. It's bigger than that. And that's why the things of this present time are not to be compared to the things of glory. Even when we lose loved ones in Christ. Oh, I will miss them and I want them. But hey, The things of glory are going to be far better. They are far better than this present world. Notice here the promise was given. The Lord said he will perform it. Abraham died in faith. But Hebrews 11.13 says he died in faith, not having received the promises. And Lord would see them come to pass. But having seen them afar off, he knew. He looked down as it were through time, believing in God. He believed God for more. It means they were almost too good to be true. It's something bigger. But having seen them afar off, they were persuaded. Abraham among many was persuaded of them. In other words, they came and kissed him like a friend. They, they, They held close to him like a good friend. They met him as a close friend meets another close friend. And he received it like that. 
And thirdly, we looked at how they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In other words, the idea here is he greeted them as a friend, but he took it and held it tight. Brother, sister, listen, see the word of God. Hold it tight. Even in your darkest moment. Even in your darkest hour. Even in the darkest night. Take the word. Take the promise. And hold it tight. But everything else is falling to bits. Hold tight to the word of God. But everything else is coming down around me. Hold tight to the promises and the word of God. But I feel so left and I feel so alone. Hold tight to the promise of God. Listen, many waters cannot quench his love. The waters of your troubles and the waters of your trials, the waters of sickness and the waters of death itself, death cannot separate you from his love. Hold tight to that which God says in his word, for it's this word in our hearts, this word engraved in your spirit, that will take you to glory. That will take you to the kingdom. Notice, so we looked at this. Abram, we'll call him Abraham now just because his name changes from high father to father of many nations. Abraham died in faith but knew God's word would not fail him, even in death. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he knew God's word would be with him. And we'll maybe look at the bit of this tonight, but God's word is the Lord Jesus. Do you know that? He personifies the word of God. And Abraham met him and seen him. He says, you'll not leave me. You're going to do even better than I think, greater than I could imagine. Even this land which you said is mine and given to me, uh, you, you and the whole earth, and you'll give us even a, a greater seed than this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4, please. To Romans 4. I want to, as it were, take my time on these over the next few weeks just because there's so many precious truths and nuggets in it for us to encourage us in our faith. Uh, Romans chapter 4, and we'll just skip across this briefly. There's one verse or two I want to really zoom in on. Verse 1 says, What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaineth to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, God hath were off to, he hath were off to glory, but not before God. If Abraham says, you know, this is of me, one little bit. This promise was of me, one little bit. Listen, Abraham put his hand to the plow of God's promise. And he had Ishmael through Hagar. And it wasn't meant to be like that. And look what we have today. That's where the Arab nations come from. And when you and I put our hand to the wrong plow and try to do what God is doing and try to add to what Christ has done and try to add to the salvation that Christ has wrought and redemption that he has brought from the cross of Calvary, and you and I, then we find that we are pushing the wrong direction. We're told here that 
by works. He half were off the glory, but not before God. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And I say a few of your pen as I read through this, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say, mark that word. Underline that word. This is going to be important, okay? Let's go to verse 3 again. For of what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Counted. Mark that word. Now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned. Mark that word. But of that. But unto him that worketh, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted, mark that word, for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth, mark that word, imputeth, imputeth righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed are the man in whom the Lord will not impute, mark that word, impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only? Or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Reckoned. Mark that word. Underline it. How was it then reckoned? Mark it again. When he was in circumcision of the uncircumcision. Nor in circumcision but in uncircumcision. But he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Imputed, mark that word, underline it. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop there for a moment. The word here in verse 11, imputed, is also the same Greek word for the word in verse 4, for reckoned of grace. Verse 3, counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4, reckoned of grace. It's also the same for imputeth righteousness in verse 6, without works. It's the same word in verse 8 for impute, the Lord will not impute sin. It's the same word in verse 9 for reckoned. It's the same word in verse 10 for high is it then reckoned in verse 10. So here in verse 11, the word here, let's read verse 11 again. And he received the sign of circumcision. Notice, a seal of righteousness. Now note that. Abraham received a seal upon him of righteousness. What was it? Was it the circumcision? No, the faith was the righteousness. The faith was the sealing. The very sealing then of Abraham to show his faith was the circumcision and the discarding of the flesh. That's why you and I are to show the seal of Christ in us by the discarding of the old man and the old woman. The discarding of the flesh. Living in holiness of life. Living before man and before God. Living in the ways of the Lord. Walking in his word. Worshipping him. Now notice this, the word here, he received the sign of the seal of righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. Notice, the righteousness is before he was circumcised, okay, the seal. So it's his faith. 
It's not the circumcision. That he might be the father of all them that believe. So you have a circumcision of the heart this morning. But you are sealed with righteousness. Notice this. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. The seal of faith. That's my child Abraham. His seed after him. Those who come to faith in Christ. He says, that is a seal of righteousness. It's not of works. It's not even circumcision of the flesh. It's not even what your flesh can do. It's not of your charity, and it's not of your alms, and it's not of your giving. You have the faith, which is a seal that you're righteous before God because you're trusting in Christ. So you're righteous before God, but the circumcision of the heart shows that we discard our flesh in a sense to its lusts. It's privileges that it demands and it's, it's wants and it's ways. Okay, let me show you this word. The word imputed here is a word logizomai. Now, I'll give you the English way to, to write it down so you can remember it. L-O-G-E-Z-O-M-I. Legozomai or legozomai. It means to reckon, to count, to calculate, listen, to deliberate on something. To count up and to weigh in the balances. Take note of that. To count up and to weigh in the balances. Or to gather up and to consider. So we get the idea of what this means. And when we look at verse 11, we'll take it for an example. When we look at verse 11, where the word imputed is here, it says that, that, that he might be the father of all them that believe Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. How does this work? Stay with me to show you a few examples here. Okay. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. You can write this down. We'll not read a lot of that for time's sake. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. Verse 28, there's a scripture says of our Lord hanging on the cross between the two thieves. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled with saith, he was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors. The word numbered there is the word logizomai. The same for imputed. Now, how does that work? Let me tell you. He was numbered with the transgressors means that those of jury, they seen him, they looked at him, they heard him speak, they gathered up everything he said, they added it all together, And they weighed an account against him and they placed it on him to crucify him. He was worthy to be as a thief and a robber. But also, it goes further than that. Stay with me. Stay with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. So when you're looking that up, so Christ has been, it's been added up upon Jesus. Who is he? He's a blasphemer. Who is he? He, he's a de- he has a devil. Who is he? He's worthy of death. So it was imputed. It was given. It was counted that that's who he was. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Now 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. 
Paul says to it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, notice, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, the word here, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, was that God could have taken my sin and your sin, and every thought and every action and every deed, every way, every lie, every everything that you and I don't even realize that we committed, and he could have gathered it all up. He could have weighed it in the balances. He could have taken it and counted it and calculated it. He could have reckoned it. He could have says, right, gather it up. I consider this. And when he does, he sees you in the depraved nature that you and I have, and he looks at our very nature in itself, even from the fruit of the sinning. And he says, they're worthy of a lost eternity. But, but, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. Note that down. That's very important for you, Christian. Not imputing. Not imputing their trespasses or their law-breaking, their sins not imputing their trespasses onto them. In other words, God had it all counted. God had seen our lives. God knew who I was before when I was in the world, and many of you as well. But God knew the very nature that I was born in. I was born in shape and in sin and iniquity that our mothers conceive us. God knew us even from when we were little babies. That little flesh who's done no wrong, he's still a little sinner. Sinning doesn't make you a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. It's in your nature to sin. And God would have reckoned that up and says, you know, see him? This is who he is and this is what he's worthy of. Here's the lake of fire for this boy. But God in his love and his grace and his mercy came in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God was in Christ reconciling you, reconciling me to himself. And even though all that was counted up, he did not impute it onto us. He didn't say, that's who you are. He seen whom he was going to make you to be. Romans chapter 4 and verse 8. Notice this. Romans 4 and verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now when you read that verse, you'll understand exactly what the apostle's telling you. Blessed is the man, blessed is that woman, blessed is that person to whom the Lord will not add up all of your sin, to whom the Lord will not add up everything you are and all that you have done and all you have become and every time you failed him and fell and fallen and the Lord will not add it all up and impute it. In other words, he will not place it upon you. You're blessed because he doesn't. You're blessed because he hasn't. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please. Verse 5, listen to what the apostle says. Here's one for you that are weak. You're struggling at the moment. 
Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. The term here for sufficient and sufficiency is the same. There's nothing I can count up and gather up to weigh to say I'm sufficient. See the man and the woman, the religion, the denomination who tells you, gather up your good works and gather up this and gather up your alms and gather up your deeds and gather up this, that, the other, and herein you're sufficient for the power of God. and You're sufficient. Remember the man says he wanted to, to, to offer Peter money to, have, to receive the power of the Holy Ghost? Peter told him it was not for sale. A curse came upon that man because there's nothing sufficient. There's nothing sufficient from yourself to merit your salvation. There's nothing sufficient in you. There's nothing you can add and gather up together that will get to me. There's nothing sufficient in yourself even to serve him. Nothing. You're not sufficient. But in him, our sufficiency, when we count up what we do, it's all of God. When we're here in our weakness, it's all of him. When you're carrying on through and you don't know how you're getting there, it's all of him. When you're down and out and you feel you can't go on, it's all of him. Your sufficiency, don't rely on your sufficiency. Don't rely on my sufficiency. Rely on his sufficiency. He is sufficient. What did he say to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you see at your weakest point? Do you see when your weakest point? That's when your flesh is dying. See, at your weakest point and my weakest point, that's when you're realizing, as it were, I cannot do this. I have no sufficiency of myself. I can't get up there and preach this morning, Lord. I can't get up there and play this morning, Lord. Oh, I can't get up there and sing this morning, Lord. Lord, I can't stand up and pray this morning. Lord, I can't get up this morning. Your sufficiency is not of yourself, it's of Him. And when you come... In your weakness, trusting in him. What did he say of Abraham and his works? There'd be no glory but God's. There's no glory but his. So in your weakness, believe it or not, in your worst of cases sometimes, believe it or not, you know that sometimes whenever I, I'm feeling in full flight and I preach my heart out, I sort of feel and it's, it's the ones that don't really do the same the people's lives. It's the ones that, it's those sermons that don't reach the same. But you see, when I'm preaching out of full weakness and saying, Lord, help, that's when God moves because he's glorified. Because there's nothing in me can say, well, I did a bit of that. Lord, I'm fully surrendered to you. And if you don't do something, well, here I am. Use me. Hebrews 11, please. Hebrews 11, we're almost through on this this morning. So many other points I'm going to bring to you on different things as well. Hebrews 11. 
Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, notice, even from the dead, for whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, and listen, brother, sister, see whenever God gives you a word and God gives you a promise and God uses you, don't you think you're going to go into the devil's playground out into the world and you're going to hop, skip and jump around and come back without any battle scars? Sometimes we need to lick our wounds, but sometimes you need to bandage it up and fight on. Fight on. Abraham, notice what it says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Abraham, go and take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him up for me on Mount Moriah for a burnt offering. Notice, put the knife in, then burn him. Can you imagine that? Put the knife into your son, then burn him. What sort of a God does that? Wicked. Is it not cruel? What sort of a God would do that? Ask that of me. Let me tell you what sort of God it is. It's a God who stretches your faith. It's a God who tests you. Everything you do is tested. Jesus baptized in the water of the rivers of Jordan was cast into the desert and tested and tempted of the devil when he was hungry for after 40 days and 40 nights of thirsting and fasting. And if you're not tried and you're not tested, your faith cannot be used. What sort of a, a test is it to go and, and take your son, your only son Isaac? Uh, Lord, I have Ishmael. God had his eyes on his own. Don't you worry when the world doesn't seem to be tested and getting on with things. God has his eyes on his own. For if you're not chastened of the Lord, the scripture says, then ye are bastards. You're illegitimate, but you're legitimate children when you're tried. You're legitimate children when you're tested. It's a sign that you're his. That you belong to him. Put in the knife. Make sure he's dead. Empty his blood over that altar, Abraham. Empty Isaac's blood. Make sure every drop goes over the altar. Then burn him. Three days traveling with this thought in his mind. Tells his, his men to stay. He goes up the mountain for three days. Up the mountain. He's got up the mountain. 
God, here's the wood. Isaac, with the wood in his back, maybe. Here's the wood. Lord, we've got fire. Uh, Abraham, we've got fire, Father. Where's the sacrifice? Here's Abraham's faith. I'm going to go right through with God. I'm going to go right through and put a knife into my son. And then I'm going to burn him. But here's his faith. Even if I kill him and shed his blood, even if I burn him to dust and ashes, if his bones are crushed to powder, it says here, notice Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 17, by faith when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, notice, here's the word, and Isaac shall I see be called. Your nations will come out of Isaac. Now notice this, accounting that God was able, accounting that God was able to raise him up from the dead. The word accounting there gives the idea of dominance. The dominating power of God, his word and his promises will raise him from dust and ashes. Because he said it. Because he said it. Now here's the sort of God he is. You and I should have been like the Isaac, imputed sin upon us. Here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, son, the Lord will provide himself. He didn't say the Lord will provide for himself. Somebody else. The Lord will provide himself. Notice the term. The Lord will provide himself. God was in Christ. Reconciling the word himself. Coming up one side of the mountain is Abraham and his son Isaac. I'm going through with God. I'm going through with God. I'm trusting in that which I cannot see, but I'm trusting in that which he's promised to me. He says, I'm going through with God. And as he walks up the mountain, the Lord had already prepared a ram coming up the other side with his horns caught in a thicket. He goes to put in the knife. And the angel of the Lord is a pre-Bethlehem appearance. I'll have to do a teaching on the angel of the Lord tonight. He's not an angel. It means he's God, a theophany of God. And that's when it says, uh, not an angel, the angel of the Lord. Pre-Bethlehem appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Says Abraham, lay not your hand upon the lad, do no harm. And the ram that was prepared was slain in his stead. What sort of God have we that when you and I should have had our sin imputed on us like Isaac, on an altar of eternal death, of eternal damnation, God prepared a lamb coming up the other side of your mountain and Calvary was at the top and Jesus died. God was in Christ. That reconciling. Reconciling the word unto himself, not imputing their trespasses on death. Folks, understand this word needs must Needs must is a circumcised heart casting away of the flesh. Needs must is this, not to live in the flesh because you're saved by grace, but to live and cast away the flesh, to live for Christ because you're circumcised by faith. Circumcised in the heart. 
I'm finished. I'm finished this morning. If you go through the rest of that chapter, chapter 17, I haven't time to read it. There's a couple more of imputes there. They're the same word again. Write them down. Um, just let me give in case you're going to go home and study this. Genesis 17, I'll just quickly show you it, where they are. Um, we stopped at verse 11. The next one uh, is... Oh, sorry, Romans, Genesis, sorry, I said Genesis 17. Romans 4, what am I talking about? We went from Genesis 17 to Romans 4. Praise God. Sorry about that. Okay. We stopped at verse 11. And you let your eye run down to verse 22. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's Abraham. Verse 23. Now therefore it was written for his, not for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Or is it again? Verse 24. Verse 25. Verse 23, it was imputed to him, verse 24, but to us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So pardon me, it's in verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24. I keep threatening to go to the optations and get my eyes done again. <laughs> God bless you. I know what you do, you say, Lord, you don't count any of it to me? None. Are you in Christ? And you're righteous. I mean, all my past, all of it. I'll tell you about it now, it's all your present and all your future too. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. May God bless his word to us. Needs must, we must needs. It's a binding cause. If you want to show your faith, to cast away the old man and woman and walk in righteousness and walk in faith in him. God bless us all.